<coughs> Father God, in all that we do, may we honor you. Lord, tonight as we come and talk about being doers of the word, that may our lives reflect our engagement with you, Father, that may we be doing what you have called us to do. Lord, may we glorify you not just by coming to church and saying that we're a Christian or saying that we're a follower of you, but by actually living and doing what you have called us to do. Father, I pray tonight that you would just give us the wisdom to see what you have called each of us to do and to take hold of that calling in our lives. Father, I know that one of the things that always holds us back is our own struggles, our own sinfulness, our own mistakes that we make. And so, Father, we're just going to take a moment right now, each of us individually, to go to you and ask forgiveness for anything that's there that doesn't need to be there. Let's just take a moment, each of us individually right now. Father, forgive us for those things, and we thank you that you have given us the opportunity and the privilege to, to live a life according to your plan here in our world. And Father, I pray that you would allow us to do that, that you would, in fact, encourage us to do that, that you would do whatever it takes for us to live our lives according to your plan rather than our own. Father, we pray tonight that you would just fill us with the Holy Spirit and just encourage us and push us in that direction. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. at the harbor. It was market day. The harbor yard was filled with the sweet smell of fruit from faraway lands. The fruit was delivered in big ships. James watched as strawberries, oranges, melons, and bananas were carefully loaded onto his cars. Then he set off for the station on the main line. On the way, he met Thomas. Really reliable, that's me, panted James. Pity the same can't be said for Percy. Goodbye. What was all that about, gasped Annie and Clarabelle. That was trouble, trouble for James. Just wait and see. Percy was back in the yard and busy shunting. He had the cars in good order and was making up for lost time. But the station master had bad news. What's happened? asked Percy's driver. James's brakes have jammed. We need Percy's help right away. Percy quickly set off to the rescue. James was stuck on the line and looking glum. Percy couldn't help laughing. Got yourself in a bit of a jam, eh, James? A sticky situation? Be quiet. It's not funny having jammed brakes. And not very reliable, either. I'm surprised you let it happen, James. Nothing should stop us engines. That's enough, Percy, said the driver. Can you push these cars? Of course I can. There's no time to lose. James has done too much of that already. James angrily hissed steam as Percy was coupled to the cars. Off we go, said Percy. I'll have to go fast to get there in time. Those big engines are so unreliable. Be careful, Percy, called his driver. But Percy was in a hurry. 
He didn't see that the switch had failed and that he had been diverted into a siding. Look out, Percy, shouted his driver and applied the brakes, but it was too late. The driver and fireman had jumped clear, but squashed fruit squirted all over Percy. I know every week that I try to show a movie clip, right, of, that has celebrities in it, but if you have little children, Thomas is a celebrity bigger than John, uh, Tom Cruise, John Travolta, Jim Carrey, or any of those guys, right? So the thing is, and we see in this movie clip, though, um, we see that Percy and James really uh, don't listen. And in fact, not only do they not listen, they hear what they're supposed to be doing, but they just don't do it. They hear that they need to stop. They hear that they need to pick this up. They hear what they need to do. But instead of doing it, they're just listening, and they just don't actually do what they are being asked or called to do. Well, tonight we're going to talk about that because um, a big issue that we face in the church is the issue of hearing and doing. That many of us are tempted to hear the Word of God, but not actually do the Word of God. So our series, that our special topic that we're doing tonight is Hearing and Doing. Um, we also, the subtitle of it is Why Hearing the Word of God is Very Bad for You. Now, if you've been in church for a long time, a lot of people had some funny looks in the last couple of services, right? Because they were like, what? Hearing the Word of God is very bad for you? That doesn't make sense. I mean, does that mean that if I come to church and listen to the sermon, it's very bad for me? Yes, if that's the end of it, yes, actually it is. We're going to talk about that tonight from James chapter 1. So we're going to go ahead and turn there in our Bibles, um, James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. You're welcome to turn in your Bibles to that passage. It'll be up on the big screen as well. But if you have your Bible, definitely open to it. Um, that way you can kind of keep along with us as we talk about James chapter 1. Why is it that God calls us to be doers of the word, not just hearers? Well, here's what James says. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. And I'm going to talk a little bit about the original language, what's going on here, because it's a little different than in English. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Okay, James chapter 1. Very simple about what we need to do as believers. Two ideas tonight, if you want to follow along in your handout, we'll talk about these two ideas. Again, very simple, but challenging nonetheless. We must not just hear God's word. We must not just hear God's word. Um, we live and we worship and we attend church in an environment that is focused a lot on hearing God's word. I mean, if you've ever been to a church like BBC, we have these comfortable chairs that you can come and sit down in, right? You can bring your coffee, you can bring your, your water in here and just, you know, snuggle right down into the chairs. You know, if you go to a mega church, they even have the stadium seating, right, where you can put your feet up and kind of just really soak it in and listen um, to what the pastor has to say. And so our churches and our culture is geared towards hearing the Word of God. But the problem is the Bible here is contrasting hearing the Word of God with doing the Word of God. And in fact, the Bible is challenging us that we must not just hear God's Word, but that we must actually do God's Word as well. And in fact, hearing God's Word will lead to a lot of problems if we don't actually do God's Word as well. Let's break this down tonight. Hearing God's Word is a very dangerous exercise. A very dangerous exercise. 
Let me give you an example of what hearing and not doing is like. While we were on vacation, um, we had an opportunity to take Wyatt to ice cream places because he loves ice cream. Three-year-old boy, right, loves ice cream. And so we took him to Mr. Whippy's. We took him to Island Creamery. You know, these places I grew up with, and they're just really awesome. They blow away Cold Stone, no offense, uh, and that sort of thing because those are chains. These are mom and pop, been doing it this way for 100 years kind of ice cream places. And uh, if I took Wyatt in one of the ice cream, one of the ice cream stores, showed him all the different flavors, and then said, let's go, let's go home now. You can't have any ice cream, right? That would be a terribly dangerous exercise for me to do. You talk about a huge fight. You talk about just being cruel and being criminal, right, by not allowing him to have the ice cream, by having him see the ice cream but not actually taste the ice cream. The Bible tells us that it's equally criminal for us, for ourselves, if we hear the word of God and do not do the word of God. Let's break this down a little farther. We're going to look at uh, verse 22 here um, in James chapter 1. Let me read it again in English. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. What it actually does here in the original language is one big long sentence. And basically it starts this way. It says, it says if you want to become as God wants you to become, then it is not by hearing that this happens. Instead, it is doing it. Because without the doing it, you become deceived or deluded. Let me say that again. What the Bible here starts with in this one sentence is saying that for us to become as God wants us to become, for us to be the people that God intends for us to be, it does not come by listening to the Word of God. Mm -mm. It comes by doing the Word of God. And in contrast to that, when we only listen to the Word of God and do not do the Word of God, then we are deceived and deluded. Well, now that seems really weird because what the Bible is saying here is that if you come to church and you listen to sermons and then you never do anything about it, you're deceived and you're deluded. Now, this is a problem because we live in a culture where a lot of people like to go to church and they like to, well, maybe not in the Bay Area, but in general, a large percentage of people go to church and they listen and they hear these sermons, and then they, they go and they do what with them? Let me say it another way. I know because I'm a pastor and I talk to other pastors that there's a percentage of people who go to church A on the first week of the month because they're having a potluck that Sunday, right? And then they'll go the next week because there's a special guest to a different church because there's a special guest pastor. And then they'll go to this online devotional and they'll read that the next week. And then the third, fourth week they'll go and they'll watch some guy on TV and they'll just go sort of around wherever it just sort of tickles the ears and makes them feel good and encourages them or just uh, they can hear something that's good. But the problem is the Bible says that when we do that, we are deceiving ourselves and deluding ourselves into believing that we are doing what God has called us to do. Now, this is not a very easy discussion to have, right? Because, again, we are in a culture, Western culture, which says go and sit and listen, right? I mean... None of you get up here and teach. None of you, and, and you know, maybe next week we can do it as an exercise. We'll talk about that in a minute. But we do our churches like this, right? But yet the Bible says that hearing the word of God and not doing it causes us to be deluded. Let's talk about why that is. Um, simply, simply listening to sermons, simply doing devotionals at home, simply reading the Bible every now and again is not going to benefit you if you don't put it into action. This is the reason why the Bible, there's several reasons, but let me give you a couple first, then I'll hit the main ones. 
first of all, there's a lot of times when we see people who hear the word and do not do the word, they tend to be fall into one of two categories. We know people, all of us probably, who go to church all the time. Um, maybe they say that they're a Christian, but they don't actually do anything. And they're older, they sit in, well, they don't have to be old, but usually they're older. They sit in the back row of the church. They never do anything. You ask them to help out. They never want to help out. What are they usually like when you talk to them? They're kind of prickly, right? They're kind of cynical. They're kind of just not very nice to be around. Why is that? Because the word has never permeated into their heart. Maybe you don't know people like that. I know a lot of people like that whose lives have not been changed. What's another way that we delude ourselves? This is just an ancillary to the main idea here. But one of the ways that we also delude ourselves is because, you know, when we go and we hear the word of God and we say that we're hearers and we, we listen and we go to church and we listen to sermons, we watch people on TV, and then there's no change in our lives because we're not doing anything, we go to work on Monday and we live our lives just like what? Everyone else. How everyone else lives their lives. Have you ever seen those statistics that they, they always put in the newspaper about how, you know, Christians have the same basic divorce rate as non-Christians? And Christians have the same basic adultery rate as non-Christians. And Christians have the same basic drug abuse rate as non-Christians, right? And across the board in America, Christians and non-Christians have the same rate in basically every area. Why is that? Well, most pastors, I would argue it's because we have a group of people largely who are hearers of the word and not doers of the word. We have created a culture whereby people come in and listen and then it doesn't impact their lives. They don't actually take hold of it and they don't actually do anything about it. The problem is, is that in our churches, we celebrate those people, right? Because we say, yay, you came to church, you get a gold star, you sat through 35 minutes of really boring conversation. Who am I kidding? Monologue, right? 35 minutes of blah, 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 blah. Congratulations, gold star, right? But the problem is the Bible says that if you do that, you're actually deceiving or deluding yourself because it is not the hearing of the word that counts. It is the doing of the word that counts. Simply listening to the word of God, even if it means, you, listen, look, you know, I had the second service today was so unconvinced by this message. I, I'm going to pull out the big gun early on you guys. The thing is, is that all of us probably know people who have memorized the Bible, you know, can quote the Bible left and right. Maybe not in California. I did growing up on the East Coast, right? Quote the Bible left and right, and their lives are what? No different than anyone else's. Why is it? Because hearing the word is not doing the word. It's not the same thing. We have to be, if we want to be people after God's own heart, if we want to, as the Bible says, to be transformed, to become as God would have us become, we have to be doers of the word, not hearers of the word. As I'm going to argue in a minute, hearing it is almost worthless, and doing it is where everything is at. Let's talk about this. Um, let, me give, let me give an example. This is the reason why we must get people in, who visit BBC involved starting their second Sunday. You know, a lot of times people will, will say, Pastor, you know, um, this, you know, actually, at this church, nobody ever says this, but in churches I've worked at before, they'll say, Pastor, why are you trying to get people involved so quickly in the ministry? Well, it's not to help BBC. When somebody walks in the door the first Sunday, I don't say, hey, you know, can you help out with this because I need help at BBC. I want them to get involved because I know that if they become doers of the word rather than just hearers of the word, their success long-term spiritually just goes up by a factor of, I don't know, math, 10, something like that, a huge difference. I mean, I do know math, but I can't calculate it right now. So a huge difference 
a huge, great exponential growth in a person's um, spiritual life occurs if they get involved, if they become doers. Listen, Jesus talks about this, right? Because remember the parable of the soils, and he talks about how, you know, basically the word of God is spread to different people, and, you know, some of the, like, for example, one of the soils, it, it just doesn't go down very deep, and after a little while, the cares of this world take it away. And, and that's the same thing, right? Because people come in, and they hear the word of God, and they do what? After about eight weeks, if they don't get involved. Eight weeks is on average. It could be as short as two or three weeks. It could be a year. What do they do if they don't get involved? If they don't do something with the Word of God? They just drift away, right? They just drift away. I mean, I have a huge, long list in my brain. I mean, it's just, you know, keeps on going, right? Lengthy, lengthy list of people I've met who come in to a church that I pastor and been really excited. I try to get them involved. Uh, you know, I do the best job I can to try to get them involved. They don't do it. And six weeks later, they're just gone. Never to be seen from again. Why? Because hearing the word of God is not enough to transform a person's life. There must be action that goes along with the hearing. Listen, when we hear and do not do, we have no idea what to do. You know, when we hear and do not do, we have no idea what to do. Now, some of you may say, wait a minute, Pastor. If I, if I come to lots of your sermons, I think, you know, the sermons are okay here at BBC. I come... Won't I know what to do with my life? No. I'm going to argue, no, you're not. Let me give some examples. First of all, have you ever tried to explain to someone how to play baseball who has never seen baseball played? Have you ever tried to explain to someone what a snowflake is to someone who has never seen snow. Well, I have done both of those things, tried to do both of those things, and I can tell you it's about impossible to try to explain to someone what a snowflake is who has never seen snow. You can't do it. Listen, I don't really know how to play cricket. I've always wanted to learn. I don't really know how to play. We could all go get a book at the San Jose Library right now, check it out, read about how to play cricket, and go out there and try to play it, but you know what? How good are we going to be at playing that game? Hey, what's going to happen after about a half an hour? How are y'all going to be feeling after half an hour if I make y'all go outside and us try to play cricket from a book? You're going to be frustrated. You're going to be unhappy. You're going to be like, why am I doing this, right? It's going to be frustrating because you're going to feel like, I don't know how to do this. Why are most Christians frustrated in their lives? They're frustrated because they want to know what to do with their life. They say, God, what am I supposed to do now? And you know what? They don't know, not because they haven't heard, but because they haven't done. Because they haven't done. Let me break this down a little bit, because here's what happens. When a person comes to me, and this happens all over and over again, when people come to me and they say, Pastor, what's God's will for my life? Everyone's asked that question, right? We all want to know, what are we supposed to do, right? God, tell me what to do, right? And, and, and what am I supposed to do with my life? Am I supposed to take this job or that job? Am I supposed to move to this place or that place? Am I supposed to marry this guy or that guy? What am I supposed to do with my life, right? And so, and so when we ask these kind of questions, um, we don't really know the answer. And we come and, you know, sometimes people come and they'll ask me, how do I figure this out? And, and here's the funny thing. The funny thing is, is that knowledge of the Bible doesn't really determine how much they really figure out the right solution to their issue. It's how much practice they have of doing whatever God has called them to do. 
That's the common denominator. Listen, why do a lot of people walk around our world claiming to be Christians and yet they have this very cloudy, very foggy idea about what they're supposed to do with their life? It's because, again, we haven't really got involved in doing what God has called us to do. When we do, we learn from doing. Which would be easier? If I was going to teach on faith tonight, let's just say I was going to teach on faith. If I were to talk to you about faith, or you were to get up here and do an activity that demonstrated faith, where would you learn faith more? By me monologuing at you, or by you actively doing it? Building something that demonstrate your faith. Of course, doing it, right? Building it. Let me ask you a question. If tomorrow you go to your job and your boss says, I'm going to give you a choice. You have to either sit through a eight-hour presentation and lecture on how to build a little house out of popsicle sticks, or I will give you the popsicle sticks and you can build the house yourself. Which one would you rather do? Come on, I know some of you are like, lecture me for eight hours on how to build a house with popsicle sticks, right? No, no one would choose that. No one would choose that. We would all just want to do it ourselves. Listen, when we hear and do not do, we have no idea what to do. When we are not actively involved in doing what God has called us to do, um, we don't really know what he's going to call us to do because we're never actually taking a step out in doing anything that he's called us to do. Look, the Bible says here in 22, 23, it says something interesting here. As far as you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. This is a picture up here of what a mirror looked like in the ancient world. This is a bronze mirror. It's rusty now, but or not rusty, but whatever, calcium fiber, whatever. Um, and this is the difference between a mirror today and the ancient world. If you're here, I put my foot in my mouth this morning. I have a mirror for shaving. My wife has more than one mirror. Let's put it that way. Ladies, perhaps you have more than one mirror. Men, maybe you own a mirror. I don't know, okay? But all of us probably have seen ourselves, in our, seen our face in a mirror many, many times in our lives. But in the ancient world, it was very rare for a person to look in a mirror. You might go years, especially if you weren't wealthy, but between the times when you looked in a mirror. Uh, now, here's the other thing about the ancient world. How many of you have ever tried to look at your reflection in a spoon or on a knife or a piece of metal? How many of you have ever done that? Some of you? Okay, when you do that, is that easy or that hard? It's kind of hard, right? Because you kind of have to do what? You kind of have to keep moving it around, you know, to sort of make sure you kind of keep getting the reflection. So here's what the Bible's saying here. Here's, here's what James is saying. He's saying, listen, is... If you listen to the word of God and do not obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. Well, no one in the ancient world would do that, right? Because you didn't pick up a bronze mirror, just looked at it for two seconds and put it down and never worry about it again because this might be your only chance for a couple of years to look at yourself and you might actually learn and figure out or just be able to see your image. But you don't just grab it, look at it, and throw it down and discard it because it was more valuable than that. Listen, it's the same way with us today, that when we, when we hear God's word and we don't do anything with it, we're just seeing the truth for a second and then discarding it and not allowing it to change our lives or do any good for us. 
Again, it doesn't hurt other people in this. It hurts us primarily. It hurts us and it hurts our relationship with God. And it hurts who we can be because we're not doing what God has called us to do. We don't know what to do. You know, let me just take a step back before I do that slide because here's the thing. When we hear and do not do, we have no idea what to do. The image of the mirror is trying to point this out, that when we don't do the Word of God, the biggest problem is that we then, therefore, don't know what to do because we can't see what we're supposed to see. We, it's like grabbing that mirror for two seconds and not really getting an image of ourselves and then forgetting it immediately. We don't know what to do. If you've ever asked the question, Pastor, what are, or, or whoever, or thought to yourself, or asked God, what do I do now with my life? The question is not answerable unless you are actively involved in doing what God wants you to do to begin with. And then once you're involved, it's very easy to figure out what God's will is for your life. Let me mention one other thing, too, because if we see the Bible as theoretical, a possibility that cannot really be acted on, then we are already deceived as well. A lot of times there's a percentage of people who come to church and they see the Bible as being this theoretical, debatable, philosophical possibility that, you know, sort of they like to think on, ruminate on, on Sunday, and then Monday it doesn't matter. They say, oh, you know, that's the Bible world, that's the church world, but you don't know what it's like to work for Steve Jobs. You don't know what it's like to work for Steve Ballmer. You don't know what it's like to work at Adobe. You don't know what it's like to work for the city of San Jose. You, the Bible doesn't know. They don't understand. This is where the Bible also says that basically we're deceiving ourselves because the Bible is eminently practical. It is incredibly focused on living a day-to-day -day life for the average person, which is why the whole Bible is filled with what? Stories and parables and that sort of thing for us to see an example of what to do, right? I mean, when we think about the people in the Old Testament, look at Abraham, look at Jonah, look at Isaiah, look at Ezekiel, look at Nehemiah, look at... Look at Jacob, right? And when we see those people, we read those stories, they're in there so we can do what? Do as they did, or in most cases in the Old Testament, the opposite, which is what? Don't do as they did, right? Because a lot of the people in the Old Testament are negative examples. Don't do this with your life. And so for us to really be transformed, it requires us not to just listen to God's word, but do it. My fear is that there is a percentage of, I know there's a percentage in the church at large, but even at BBC, of people who will just never do, they will be hearers, and they will not do. But here's the problem. The problem is, the Bible is very clear, later in James says, faith without works is dead. And so you can't tell me that you have faith if you don't do anything about that faith. Um, it just doesn't work that way. When we hear and do not do, we do not stay with God. That's the thing I was going to, I just mentioned there, is that we don't, we don't tend to do it. Look, people come in, they, they get some measure of faith, or they say they do, and then they don't do anything, and then before long, they're just out the door, and, and God is no longer relevant in their lives. You ask them, they'll say, yeah, you know, I believe in God, but that's not where it's at, right? Because it is not us simply believing some theoretical idea, but us having a relationship and being called according to what God wants us to do. Let me say it another way. Let me say it another way. If a person does not do, then a person does not know God. Now, let me just say this, because every once in a while I get someone in here who come to me after service, and they'll get mad, and they'll say, Pastor, no, no, you got it all wrong. It's about faith. Faith is, faith is the answer. Well, that's true. 
The only way we can have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ is because of His grace extended through our faith. There's no doubt about that. But we in the church, we ooh, don't, you know, last two services I said I, I skating a thin line, but I'm going to tell you what. It's not me and what I'm saying. It's our lives that skate a thin line because the Bible tells us that if we have, we claim to have faith and we do not do what God calls us to do, then our faith is dead, worthless, useless, non-existent. It's not real. It's not real. We have to be doers of the word. And in fact, if we are not doers of the word, we are deceived and deluded according to James 1. We are just hearers and hearers only. We are deceived and deluded in our lives. When we hear and do not do, we do not stay with God. It is not possible for us to remain with Him if we do not have a action in our lives, a doing aspect of our lives. Hearers, not doers, quickly forget why they are following Jesus to begin with. And that's true. Again, I have a long list. You probably know people as well, you know, who will hear the Word of God, but yet won't do it. And that's frustrating, right? If you know someone like that, it's really frustrating because you're like, do something about it. And they just, you know, they could quote Bible verses left and right, but it doesn't matter because they're not doing the Word of God. Second idea tonight, very quickly, is that we must do God's Word. That not only must we not be hearers of it only, but that we must actually do God's Word. That when, when we listen and we hear, it is not enough to just listen and hear, but we actually must put it into practice. We actually must make it an action in our lives. Listen, it's simple. We hear and then we do in faith. This is the thing that drives me crazy as a pastor, and it probably dri- I know it drives other pastors crazy, maybe not all pastors, but it drives me crazy, right? Because here's what happens. So many times people will come and they'll say, Pastor, you know, I've got this issue in my life and I'm struggling, you know, and you know, I'm counseling and that sort of thing, and it's all good. And, uh, but at the end of the session, at the end of the time talking, I feel like just saying, go and do something, right? You know, 99% of the people who I talk to the issue is inaction, not wrong action. Come to think of it, with one or two exceptions in my entire life, I've never been to someone with one or two exceptions and said, stop acting for the Lord. Why? <laughs> because nobody overacts for God. We all underact for God. We all are inactive. We are tempted towards sitting in the chair and listening and not doing I'm going to say it like this. So many people will say, let's pray about it, let's have faith, let's get this right, let's get our theology right. You know what? All that way leads to, I believe what James said, is death. The death of your faith and the death of your soul and the death of your spiritual life. It's better, within reason, to just get out there and do something for the kingdom because it's easier for God to change the momentum of you doing something than it is for you to start from the beginning. Remember like inertia when you were like in high school or college, right? It's easier if a ball is rolling to, to redirect its rolling motion than it is to get the ball rolling to begin with. Have you ever pushed a car that was dead, right? Didn't start. Is it easier to push it once it's rolling or to get it started to begin with? Well, we know it's really hard to get it started. But once it's going then it's, it's a lot easier. It's the same thing with us. You want to know what are you supposed to do with your life? You want to know whether you're supposed to take job A or job B? You want to know what God's will is for this situation in your life? Get involved working for His kingdom, and He'll redirect you in wrath. That's the way it works. 
You know, let me share a story about my life. I don't like to do this a whole lot um, because I don't want to make it about me. But I think this is a good one. Um, God called me into ministry uh, when I was in college, and I really didn't want to go into ministry. Some of you know the story, some of you don't. I, I really didn't want to go into ministry. I really just I didn't want to do it. And uh, so after fighting with the Lord for a while, um, he made it abundantly clear that I better do it um, or that was just it. So I did. And I said, okay, God, here's the thing. I'll go in ministry and I'll do anything you say, but I will not be a pastor of a church. Not going to do that because churches are dumb and they're boring and they're stupid. And I'll, I'll be a chaplain for the military. That'd be cool. Or a hospital or something. I'll do that. I'll be a missionary maybe, but I'm not going to be a pastor because pa forget it. It's not going to happen, right? Well, Obviously, I'm here tonight, uh, so I didn't win that battle. But here's the thing. This is the thing that happened. The thing that happened, though, was not for me to become a pastor was not actually God yelling at me saying be a pastor. He never actually said be a pastor, meaning uh, vocally and that sort of thing. You know how I was led to become a pastor after God called me into ministry? was because I started actually reading the Bible and then trying to do it at a whole new level. And you know what? When I started doing that and started really reading the Bible and trying to really apply it to my life, I found out that the church is what God had created for our world to help people and to reach people. And so because I realized that that was part of God's plan, I wanted to be a part of God's plan. And it just eventually seemed very natural for me to engage with the church, and I did, a good church, and it started working there and started doing a lot of stuff, and then, you know, years later, churches later, here I am, right? And the thing is, is that it wasn't because God had to necessarily say, I want you to be a pastor. It was just simply because I started doing something. And then it was easy for God to start redirecting me to the place where he wanted me to go. It's that simple. Most people struggle in their relationship with God and they struggle with life. Why? Because on the speedometer of their service for the Lord, they're at zero. And they've been at zero for years. If you're at zero, getting to one is going to be the hardest thing to do. But I'm going to tell you what. If you get to one or two or three or ten or fifteen or twenty, whatever that number is, then for God to continue to increase that is going to be very easy comparatively. Very easy comparatively. It's simple. We hear and then we do uh, in faith. Listen, the Bible says that God's guidelines for our lives. Let me finish up here real quickly with verse 25. James says, but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. The Bible says God's guidelines are perfect and liberating. And it, that's awesome because I like the perfection part, but at this point in my life, I like the liberating idea here because the Bible says that when we follow God's agenda for our lives, it actually liberates us. We're actually serving him, it liberates us. And what does that mean? What it means is instead of us walking around in a cloud and a fog wondering what am I supposed to do with my life, what is God calling me to do with my life, when I do what he's, when I take that step out and I start serving and I start following and I start obeying what God has called me to do, those things, that step liberates us and allows us to experience God's love and God's purpose and God's plan in our lives in a way that hearing never will. You can never hear enough to change your life, but an action will change your life dramatically from that day forward. And God is calling us to action, not to hearing. Our blessings come from obedience to God's word. Let me just, I'm going to end with this because he says, 
James says, if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. You know, the thing is, is that, uh, real quickly with this slide, many people say, do this, do that, and you'll be blessed. But here's the question. How do we even know what God is going to bless or not if we don't get out there and experience it? That's the problem, right? You know, we say that we want God's blessing. We say that we want faith. We say that we want relationship with God. But if we're not doing it, then all of our hearing is dead. And all of our belief is dead. And all of our theoretical possibility, conjecturing, and ruminations about whatever is all dead without us engaging and doing what God has called us to do. My prayer for you is that you will not die by hearing, but that you will live by doing. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you tonight, Lord, and we ask tonight that you would allow us to engage our lives with you, that we would be not just hearers of the word, which will simply deceive and delude us, but that we will be doers of the word, that we will all be committed to doing what you have called us to do, whatever that may be. Father, I pray that for those people who ask those questions, and we all do, what am I supposed to do with my life? Lord, I pray that those people would desperately get serving you in whatever small way, whatever big way that they can get involved, Lord, so that they can very clearly see what you have called them to do with their lives. Father, I pray for BBC that it would be a church not of hearers, but a church of doers. And so, Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.